0: Okay, so this is something that Richard has wanted to talk about, I think, since the first podcast we did on Discovery, and this is a good week to talk about CBS All Access, because (laughs) I watch CBS All Access, I watch Star Trek Discovery, I should say, because I don't watch anything else on CBS All Access, because why would I? (laughs) My parents like Um,
1: watch Young and the Restless, and they're like, well, we can watch back episodes, and I keep saying, like, if we can figure out how to get it to to your TV, but... Yeah, I, I I watch literally nothing. My mom is like, my mom has been talking about the commercials for Young Sheldon, so I, I I'm really worried.
0: I'm really worried for your mother <laughs> too.
1: Um, but so I watched it
0: on my Apple TV, and, and last week I was away on vacation, so I, I watched it uh, on a Roku little thing, and it worked fine, brilliantly. It was it was you know crisp, clean, clear HD quality. Uh, no 5.1 surround sound, but that's kind of par for the course at this point on streaming, except for Netflix, which is super weird, but whatever. Uh, but I sat down to watch Letha, I guess, and I guess we should have looked was, up what that meant, but I think it means like pain or suffering or something, but we'll get to that. Um I, I sat down to watch Star Trek Discovery and it was like this for and I was like, What what the fuck is going on? And so it was basically it was buffering, and then it would freeze and it would buffer, and it was it was super unwatchable. Oh, like late nineties real player. Yeah, exactly. It was like <laughs> watching YouTube from 2003 or something. And and so I was like, oh, great. So CBS All Access is finally shitting the bed. And I, I jumped on Twitter, uh, saw some sporadic reports from from various Twitter accounts that they were also having issues. So it was not just me. I had just been watching Netflix, so I knew it was working fine. I was texting with Richard saying, I, I, you know, I I don't know what's going on. I don't think it's me. I just checked Netflix again. It's not me. And it, it, you know, I just, I couldn't do anything about it. It was not happening. And then Richard said, well, I'm watching on my laptop and it's fine. And I saw someone else say that on Twitter. Mm. So I said, okay, well, I have a computer, so I will try it on my laptop and it worked fine. So I don't know what the issue was, but I just wanted to take the first like minute and two minute, three minutes, whatever, to complain about CBS All Access, because I know Richard has a different complaint about it. I don't have that complaint, but uh, like they need to get their shit together, basically. Uh
1: Yeah, I mean, I number one, I think it's kind of stupid that this is how it's releasing it. I, I still I still do. I mean, uh friend of mine in Finland is like, yeah, I'm watching it it on Netflix. Like, I I don't know why it wasn't, you know, done that way. And, you know, it's stupid paying for a third streaming service on top of everything. And I frankly think the player is really shitty. Like, uh, I'm used to Hulu's player a lot, which... One of the things I love about it is you can use the arrow keys to just skip back 10 seconds because every so often I'll miss like – I'll miss a line of dialogue or something, you know, where – I mean this is a sci-fi show. There's, you know, complicated names and stuff. And so you have to like guess and, you know – right. Like
0: Admiral Cornwell.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean what the hell kind of a name is Cornwell? Um, and, you know, this is something I've, I just – I don't know where I've been wanting to fit this. But have you ever, ever used the web version of Amazon's player? It's I have. It's fantastic because at any moment you can go to the overlay and it gives you a little trivia and it tells you what actors are in the scene at that very moment. Mm. And I love that because yeah, Admiral Cornwall, like, who is she? Who's the actress playing Amanda? You know, all right, well, I'm going to go to IMDb and G. I don't know what their fucking name is. You know, I, I, I have to look through all the, pic- you know, it's really convenient for that. CBS, it's just, it's a money grab from CBS. I don't know why they aren't airing this.
0: So, so here's the thing, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because you know we have an episode to talk about, and it's Sunday night. But
1: yeah. I will
0: say that you know th- this is kind of like bullshit capitalist stuff. Where hey, hello, we're talking about socialism again. Huh. Uh, that essentially what's happening is there was this really interesting article I read last week uh, while I was on vacation because this is what I do. <laughs> I read articles about media consumption on vacation. I have problems and essentially what i think it was a vox article and, and essentially and i'm not a huge fan of vox but whatever um and, and essentially what the article was saying is that they were like why is netflix losing all of this content right like and i hate the word content as well but you know it is what it is you know why why is netflix losing all of these television yeah. shows you know they they lost uh, the x files they lost buffy they they just lost thirty rock and and more interestingly not just why netflix is losing these shows but why they're going to hulu and and the answer essentially is that uh, all of the quote unquote content creators uh, want to starve Netflix. They, they don't see the value of Netflix paying them what they think they can get for it. And so like essentially what you have is this arms race where everything is sort of coalescing around Hulu mm. except for CBS stuff now why cbs of all the broadcast networks think that they can pull this off I, I don't know i you know there's theories around why they're doing this i mean i'm not super interested in defending that part of it because i'm not super interested in defending multinational multibillion multi corpor- yeah. <laughs> multibillion dollar corporations uh, but that's why it's not on netflix and is that a good reason is that a satisfying reason No,
1: but then my question—not
0: really. But and my question is, is, is. why is
1: it not on Hulu? And you know, my other question is, I mean, the thing. Well, it's
0: not on. It's not on Hulu because CBS thinks that they have cachet, and they don't put any of their stuff on Hulu, to my knowledge. So, of course, they think that they can convince enough people to spend six dollars a month on CBS All Access. Now, I will also say th- this is like the uh, this is the like legitimate defense of CBS All Access is that Star Trek Discovery would not exist. Yes, if it wasn't for streaming, uh, it-, it would not exist. Uh, if it had to be broadcast on CBS, it just it would not succeed. There, there's absolutely no way in the world that Star Trek Discovery would succeed on broadcast television in 2017. Absolutely no way. Now, yes, CBS owns Showtime, for instance. They could have put it on Showtime. Why didn't they do that? I don't know. I mean, because streaming is the future, et cetera,
1: et cetera. But Showtime has its own streaming, doesn't it? Because I know with Twin Peaks, it had it it does. And I mean, I guess the big question and this will be some inside baseball stuff that we'll find out after the fact. But I know I read about the new Twin Peaks, for example, that. They got a bunch of subscriptions and they got a bunch of cancellations when that show was over. I'm going to be canceling during the hiatus and when you know start discovery I will too, is over, yeah. yeah, because I'm not going to use it. Um, I did read an article which said that they got enough, sub- they got more subscriptions even during that time than they would have otherwise, and of course a bunch of people you know kept it on, you know, in the c- c- course of Twin Peaks. So I guess, but again, I don't know why they aren't consolidating the two. That just seems like they're trying to. Get as much. They're trying to rook as much of us as they can.
0: You don't think a bra- yeah? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think that in general, and this is the last thing I'll I'll say about yeah. this, and then we can move on to the episode. Is that? You're right. Like I don't necessi- Like I don't necessarily get all the hand-wringing about CBS All Access at the end of the day it's $6 a month. And yes, I, that is coming from a little bit of a classist position and yeah. I know that there are many people out there whose budgets are extremely tight, who have very limited incomes who cannot afford, who le- who legitimately cannot afford $6 a month and I, yeah. I I get that. Um pirate it. You know like that's that's the, I have no compunctions whatsoever about pirating things. Um do you know like i just i can't get that upset about it like that's that's yeah. what it comes down to is like
1: well i got we we should be honest because doesn't cbs all access come from our patrons for us well yeah that i mean that's, that's the, other the other thing, thing too thing yeah for, in mean our certainly particular i mean like case. i'm
0: I, well yeah from our particular place absolutely it does but i'm thinking of it in terms of like yeah. you know if i didn't have a podcast and people weren't giving us 130 dollars a month or whatever it is now um would I pay for CBS All Access to watch Star Trek Discovery? Yes, I would. Would I continue to pay for it after CBS or after Star Trek Discovery is over for the season? No, I wouldn't. And and I think that that's really going to be the the case here is you're going to have to really see what the upper limit is, what the tolerance is for people to pay for multiple streaming services. I am very, like Hulu has come a long way. I'm very interested in Hulu. I will continue uh, to pay for Hulu because Hulu has become my default choice of I want to watch a thing and I don't know what that thing is. Yeah, Uh, That used to be Netflix. Maybe that should concern Netflix. Maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. Um, I've actually thought about canceling Netflix, but they have some original series that I want to watch. So, And I don't actually really want to pay attention to when the like three or four Netflix series that I watch are coming back and like canceling and it just seems like a hassle so I'm not going to do that but for something like CBS All Access it's an easy choice. I have it for Star Trek Discovery. When Star Trek Star Trek Discovery is not releasing new episodes, I will not be paying for it. I
1: mean, I'm thinking about it in terms of for the four months of the year that it's five months I'm being I'm paying between 25 30 bucks for Star Trek Discovery. It's the same as if I probably as if I would be paying two bucks for each individual episode. I frankly would rather pay the two dollars for each individual episode than do the streaming fees. But that's in a way how I'm thinking about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's right. And I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I hate this phrase, but it is what it is. So, yeah. Well, let, let's talk about after we, we got that out of our system. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Letho, which. Um, holy shit. This was a good episode. This was an and episode
1: number one. Yeah, <laughs>
0: like I, I feel like our podcasts on Discovery are, are are a little is schizophrenic. I think we've had this conversation before. No, because you're using the
1: term wrongly. Schizophrenic doesn't mean bouncing from one thing to another. That's not what schizophrenia, the mental disorder, is. Um, I, 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 I don't know. This is just R-
0: Richard. Richard is a prescriptivist. I'm a prescriptivist <laughs> in language, and that has become very clear over the years. But um yeah you're right like Letha is an actual episode it it has an A plot and a B plot mm-hmm. and that's it this is a very sort of old school style television episode it has a beginning a middle and an yeah. end and uh what's more it's actually not having anything to do with really what has been going on before and so i yeah. can see that the show is sort of Getting the kinks out a little bit. You know, I'm still concerned. And I think that if the show had doubled down on what was happening last week, I would be even more concerned. I, I, I think I'm I'm upgrading my reaction to Star Trek Discovery to, let's say, cautiously optimistic at yeah. this
1: point. Well, you know, this is one of the... I, I was talking to somebody on Mastodon because I don't fucking use Twitter anymore because it's full of Nazis. Um, but, and I was talking to somebody about... You know, know, this prestige TV, which is something that, you know, we've talked about a lot on here. And kind of one of the things I was saying is I don't – I really have to – it's difficult to say, you know, well, trust us. This is all going to make sense in the end. This is all going to add something when – and this is something we've talked about. We don't – they don't have a track record. I don't know these showrunners from Adam. You know, I don't know – I, I can't I don't know if this is all going to end to something satisfying or not and one of the reasons I'm really liking episodic TV is because I can watch the 40 minutes and say I was entertained by that you know I would see that again and you know in the case of a ds nine where it's parts adding up to a whole, I like the individual parts um so far discovery hasn't really had much interesting in the parts and you know, you're telling me, well, the hole's gonna be great, uh, but I haven't seen anything so far that I've liked. I mean, this is the first time in which I had an investment in what was actually going on the screen as events that were going on the screen. Um as you said, uh, yeah, it yeah. had a beginning and middle of an end. All of the conflict was based around character. This was a typical kind of Star Trek plot in which somebody needs to be rescued and we need to do some kind of techno babble to fix it. Um, the B plot, which is Lorca and this Admiral, rooted in character. It's certainly following from the war arc. It's certainly setting up kind of the next step in that. I mean, it, it ends with this cliffhanger and you know, wh where it is going it it is pushing us into the next episode. Oh, gee, what's gonna happen? How is this gonna turn out? The episode has worked to get me invested in Captain Lorca, in this admiral, in their relationship, in Uh, how Captain Lorca is relating to everybody around him. I mean, for me, one of the key moments in the episode is when he finally says to Burnham at the end, um, you know, I'd like you on my crew. Yes, I accept. And, you know, I'd said a couple weeks ago... Lorca's really good at figuring out everybody's buttons, right? Like, he knows how mm-hmm. to kind of manipulate people. And even the Admiral gets manipulated by him through a bit by him kind of rekindling the romance that they once had and her realizing that, oh, shit, this is exactly what you're doing. Um, and, you know, I'd said that it seems like at the beginning, Lorca is trying to yet burn him on his side by playing up her rebelliousness, you know, playing to her rebellious side to where – and that's not really who Burnham is. He's gotten her wrong. Well, this – he's rec- he recognizes the way to get Burnham on his side is to appeal to her emotions, to appeal to her sense of loyalty and duty and her ties to the people that she loves and cares for, and he's done that masterfully. I mean, he is very yeah. –
0: Well, he, I – Larka I... is
1: sociopathic. And in a very interesting way,
0: I I think so, and I I, I mean, there's a lot of places to take that, and I, I I think that to to step back from discovery for for just a minute, because I I think that what you said at the beginning is is spot on about, you know, everyone saying you know try basically trust the process, yeah. right? which has become kind of a joke, but go with it, Scully. <laughs> right? That. We we there's this really weird sort of of cult of personality uh, that that is in fandom surrounding the the people that make the 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 items of fandom that we like, um, and I don't really subscribe to that. I, I don't necessarily. I mean, there are certainly I love Star Trek unreservedly, right? And and I I have critical distance from Star Trek, but I, I'm able to have critical distance from Star Trek. But at the same time. I can also sit down yeah. and I can just go you know what I love Star Trek I'm going to watch a Star Trek episode and I don't really care I I watched Justice like last week I mean that's a terrible terrible episode of Star Trek it's a terrible episode of television it. uh the sexy planet where Wesley Crusher falls oh, on the flowers Oh god oh god yes It's it's awful but but <laughs> I love it you know it's it's Star Trek I don't care and so you know to me I look at it. you know I look at something like that and I say you know, there's three main ways that television is made, right? And and this is an oversimplification. But you have sort of the British model, which is a, a one person writes a very abbreviated series of episodes, you know, four, six, three, whatever it is. It's very tonally consistent because one person is writing it, right? Then you have the American model, which for a long time was, we have a writer's room, but this is very, very episodic. This is a series of episodes in the most... Uh, 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 you know, literal interpretation of that. Uh, you know, certainly characters are the same, but you know, from from episode to episode, really, there's no continuing storylines whatsoever. Uh, and that sort of transitioned in in the 90s and the 2000s, and now we are where we are in the 2010s. And the issue for me that that I'm kind of realizing is that I don't necessarily think that the American Writers Room model of writing mm. television is is compatible with a serialized form of storytelling. It takes a very, very strong attention to detail. It takes very consistent and tonally uh, uh, consistent writing to pull off that kind of story. And the American writers' room model, where a different person is writing each episode, or, or you know, there's four or five writers that are sort of working, um, you know, kind of taking their turns writing scripts, even as they're all breaking stories together is going to nest. It, it's kind of, it, it, it doesn't work, right? It, it's like losing, using a screwdriver to, to drive a nail. It You can do it, but every once in a while, the nail is going to go askew yeah. in the wall. And, and I think that th- that's what I'm really coming down to. And so to me, Star Trek Discovery, I was worried about it, not because I don't, trust the people that are running it what a weird thing to say really huh. i mean i don't know them it doesn't have, trust has nothing to do with it it's, it's what i'm seeing on the screen is worrying me and so if i you know the first five episodes of star trek discovery and i was kind of like okay great new star trek uh, okay oh what's this and then now you get this and i'm like oh this is actually good um, yeah, but I, I have to go with what my reaction is, and this is what I'm reacting to. And so, yeah, I enjoyed Letha a lot. Will I enjoy the next episode? Well, we'll see. But I, like I said, cautiously optimistic.
1: I enjoyed Letha very much. It was a good episode. It was probably the best episode of Star Trek Discovery so far. I... Don't know what next episode is gonna be, and I don't trust the process. Just as Lorca figured out the way to finally push Michael's button, what if Discovery is finally figuring out the way to push our button and it's up to no good? Like I can't trust this show.
0: I, I I think that's right. And 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 again, I mean, you know, I keep saying this every single week, but we will have to see where this goes. I was very happy to see where this episode went, and I, I think this episode was you know far and away the the best episode of star trek discovery the the only thing that worries me here really is that at least in, in this particular episode is is that this was written the, the, the there's a dual writing credit on this episode and it, one of the writing credits on this episode is joe Minoski who worked on the next generation mm-hmm. who worked on deep space 9 briefly um and who worked on voyager a lot um you know, a few weeks ago we we started talking about Joe Minoski because he wrote The Thaw, he wrote Remember, some, some good episodes of Voyager. And I worry that the reason why I liked Letha is because it was written by an old 90s Star Trek alumnus. Is that a reasonable fear? Uh, I don't know. Uh,
1: I I feel like He's showing why maybe a show like Voyager or more more appropriately Deep Space Nine worked. I mean, I would hope that the rest of the writers could learn from this. You know, this is and again, we like episodic television. I I think we I love it. We should not be at all ashamed of that. We should not. You know, I, 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 I don't. I think that that's a bad style of storytelling and in a way it feels like Joe Minoski coming up and saying all right everything up to this point has kind of been crappy you know let me show you how a real writer does this you know in a way that's how I that's how I kind of feel
0: I, I think so and I mean I am starting to see the shape of the story that this show wants to tell and I definitely have quibbles with it i I, I don't what are you know thinking if... um well, it seems to me that they are going for a what happened there's there's a few things going on here, but essentially, I think it is using the vehicle of the the Klingons returning after a period mm-hmm. of a you know a hundred years or whatever um they are using that as a vehicle to tell a story about. Starfleet and the Federation going through its first tremendous test of its own ideals and and coming out on the other side as the Federation and Starfleet of the original series mm-hmm. era and continuing up into the next generation and beyond. You know, this is not the the Federation of Picard's era. This is not even the Federation of Kirk's era. Um you know, as as seen in this episode, we we have a you know, admittedly, the episode says extraordinarily small faction of Vulcans that do not want Vulcan to be in the Federation. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty. that That's a pretty significant uh, thing to put in the episode. And, and I I certainly my, my fear is that Discovery, like a lot of the other plot lines it has, is not going to give that the weight um, it has not given the Klingon stuff the weight that it it deserves. I think. I think part of the reason why I'm not on board with the Discovery train is because I don't think that they understand what they're doing with the with the Klingons <laughs> I, and and I, I'm willing to be proven wrong. But I just I don't see that they're giving the stuff the weight. I don't see that they're thinking it through properly, and I don't know what they're doing with it. And so when they throw something like that into this episode, oh, there's this, this faction of of yeah. you know, Vulcan fundamentalists. Um, that I mean, not to spoil anything for Enterprise, but that tracks with where we see the Vulcans of the Enterprise era. That that is, you know, ninety years before this show, not hundred years before this show. So, so I'm fine with that. I think that, and and what we're going to see is a, a Federation coming out on the other side of this you know, recommitting to its ideals and really coming to, to terms with them. I also think that we are going to see Lorca become Garth of Izar, but that's a completely different thing.
1: <clears throat> I, I, you know, I, I will say, I am interested in this, you know, logic extremist. This This has been... You know, the thought of Vulcan going fascist and, you know, this pure, uh, Vulcan purity movement and has been in it, you know, is on my bucket list of if I could write a Star Trek story. So I guess that's off the table. Wait till you hear my I, I I've. I've been doing a hell of a lot of development of my post DS9 Death of Worf storyline, and boy, do I have some crazy ideas! Um,
0: is it just is it just me killing Worf over and over again? No, 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 so no,
1: no! It's gonna be even. It's 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 crazy, man. <laughs> I, 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 Worf's brother reappears. You know, there's something for Alexander to do. Just, just anyway, um, and so I am interested in this, and, and I think in general they are. You know this Vulcan logic extremists and this you know Klingon purity thing um, are two halves of the same coin, right? Like they are both oh, yeah. a culture trying to remain pure in the in in a world that is growing increasingly multicultural for reasons such you know for simple reasons such as we're in a bigger world, we're in this galaxy, you know, there's a lot of cool shit to see, and you know can't we have much more fun if we work together, or, you know, what we know is going to happen 15, 20 years down the line, which is that, um, you know, a disaster is going to happen to the Klingon Empire that is going to require them to cooperate. You know, whether or not, um, whether or not it's voluntary or not, diversity is fucking happening in this galaxy. Um, and again, I think this is a very important theme in the world today, um,
0: yeah. And I and I think that you see that in I mean, I think the other reason why this episode works so well is that it it, it focuses on Lorca and it focuses on on, on Michael. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that that is to its strength that, you know, certainly the, the show was, I think, trying to. The, the show did not stick the landing of introducing these characters very well. I, I think that's yeah. pretty clear at this point. And this episode was a much needed character development episode for for both Michael Burnham and, and for Captain Lorca. Uh, you know, I, I think that what, you know, what I'm seeing here is, well, let's talk, let, let's talk about, about uh, Burnham then. Because I I think that, you know, this storyline resonates with me so strongly, yeah. you know, not to get too personal. because Oh, I, I can imagine I, this. <laughs> I I have a very similar. I have a very similar reaction to my own father as Michael Burnham yeah. has to Sarek in this episode, and I think that at, at the end of the episode, when Michael Burnham is sitting across from Ash Tyler, who we need to talk about, the internet's theory about Ash Tyler, by the way, um, that he's so pretty. He's, he's very pretty uh i was very distracted by him uh and i'm not ashamed to admit it um that when you know when she's sitting across i'm sorry i was distracted by by thinking about ash tyler you know when when Just she's sitting across soapy. from <laughs> did we meet let's do it again ash and then let's make out um that you know, she's sitting across from Ash Tyler and she's saying, you know, I, I realize that, you know, I'm not giving I'm not I'm not to Sarek what he can be, you know, what I, what he wants me to be. Mm-hmm. Uh but but also he's never going to be what I want him to be either. And, you know, Ash is like, Well, that's really fucking depressing. And and Michael Burnham's like, No, actually it's not. And you yeah. know, I had that same reaction. I I essentially told my father that I was not going to speak to him anymore a few months ago. And so, and I haven't, and it's been great. Because <laughs> I just, you, you get that weight lifted off of you, and you're like, oh, I'm not expecting them to change. And yeah. it's good. I can move on with my life now. And so, I don't know, that really spoke to me. And I think the entire episode spoke to me in a very profound way. And and this is the first time that I can really feel that Star Trek Discovery is possibly going to hold the same
1: place for me,
0: as the other Star Trek shows, at least to some degree.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a very because you can imagine the. I, I mean, I'm thinking about Riker's adventures with his father, right? Or any time there has been an or, or Picard's, you know, relationship to his father. Uh, Star Trek likes to do the thing where. You know, there's a strained relationship, and then they have the talk, and then they understand each other a little bit better, and that's the beginning of, you know, a closer bond, and, you know, Burnham is offering that chance. She is fully going to Sarek and saying, you know, listen, you know, if you want this to be the beginning of something closer, we can do this. Like, I am always—I am willing, and, you know, if at some point, you know, in episode 12, Sarek comes to her and says, all right, you know, I'm ready— Again, given that we have you know, he's never mentioned her at all, you know, not that we've seen Sarek a ton, and he not that he's ever been in a position to talk about his home life, and given that Burnham might not survive the series, um you know, that all said, um you know, the fact that the the fact that she does come to understand Sarek a little better, she understands the way he processes his emotions, she understands the way he may feel better you know, shame and regret for things, even though she understands all of that, it's not the key to their relationship. It's not the thing that would have made them close. If they'd realized this all these years ago, it wouldn't have changed anything. That is who Sarek is. She has to either Hmm. accept who Sarek is as a person, and this is who this person is, and this is the kind of relationship they can have, or she can walk away. And it's slightly ambiguous, which she's going to ultimately settle on um she's you know certainly she is still reeling a little bit at the end but i think at the end when she is you know recognizing and saying you know i feel angry but i want to love you know and all of that and she you know i need to re and she reintroduces herself to pretty pretty ash tyler um shows that she is embracing the human side in other in other words she is not using you know I've said a lot of times, you know, Vulcans tend to use their emotions as another data point, but ultimately logic is where this is funneling through. And that has been how Burnham has always kind of tried to process her thoughts because she has raised Vulcan and she has that very human need to be accepted and loved by her, you know, somebody who is for all intents and purposes her father. and. I think at the end is marking a sea change in which she is realizing that no, it needs to be the other way around. Her emotions are her prime motivator. Her logic is the way that is going to maybe help her navigate the emotions, maybe help her, you know, figure out what the right decision is to do. Because at some point, uh, somebody who is in on the bridge of a starfleet does need to figure out how to tamp down those emotions or at least handle them. But I think she wants to be able to bond with people. She wants to bone Ash Tyler because everybody does. She wants to be best friends with Tilly. She wants to – I worry that I worry that where this is going to go and another trap that she might fall into is in looking for Lorca for that father approval. And I think that is part of him figuring out how to push her buttons at the end.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that Lorca and Landry were sleeping together. I mean, that's the subtext I got from mm. from her character. And um, I I just hope that that continues and that Lorca always sleeps with his chiefs of security because <laughs> that would mean that Lorca and Ash Tyler would, would have sex and I'd be all yeah. for that. No, I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, certainly I, I, I disagree with it a little bit. And I think where I disagree with it is that what what I think I and this is kind of a weird thing to say, but I I think what I appreciate so much about um about this episode is that Star Trek Discovery is sort of leaning in on the subtext of Sarek kind of being a giant asshole, mm. and <laughs> and I don't know I I kind maybe this is just a, a form of storytelling that I enjoy. Um, where shows go, yes, this person is a tremendous asshole. You are correct, and it's okay that people are assholes sometimes. Mm. Uh, We don't need to redeem them. We can just put them in a box and say, you can be an asshole, and I know you're an asshole, and that's enough. Um, Go away now. Uh, That's what you need to do with people in your life sometimes that are assholes, and you tell them they're assholes, and they say they're assholes, and they just keep being assholes, and you're like, all right, well, I'm done with you then. And I, I think that's what Burnham is doing. I, I think that essentially what she is doing is she uh, is putting a cap on that relationship and saying, hey, you know what? I, yeah. I want a relationship with you. She calls Sarek father at the end of the episode very explicitly and very deliberately. You know, she has not called him that before, at least in those flashbacks. She always called him Sarek. And I think even in the Falcon Hello, she called him Sarek. You know, so so she is really leaning in on this sort of like, hey, you know, I, I'm a human, and you decided not to, uh, you, you know, you decided not me, but but Spock, um, then because I'm a human and Spock is only half human, and and you know, all your protestations to the contrary, you still think there's something wrong or dirty or yeah. shameful about not being Vulcan, um, then fine, I'm going to lean into those those human emotions that you find so objectionable and and i I think that was really, really well done i I know that there was a lot of 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 sort of what the fuck are they doing? Why is this Sarek? Well, this is why I mean I think that you know it was always a little weird. Why was Sarek so cold to to Spock in Journey to Babel? Why did he have yeah. such a problem with Spock joining Starfleet? What sense did any of that make and you can certainly say, "Oh well, this isn't really necessary." I, you know, okay. Did we need to know this? Probably not, but I think it works pretty damn well, and I think that it's it's extraordinarily it's extraordinarily interesting that discovery is going in this direction. This is a storyline that really worked for me, and I think was really true to the original series, true to what you know has come before the show, true to the character of Spock, true to the character of Sarek, uh, true to the Vulcans because there always has been that strain of Vulcans, yeah. um,
1: and I I have no
0: real reservations about it whatsoever. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, I I think Sarek is the kind of Vulcan who. Um, Thinks that logic will always be the same no matter who is doing the logicking, and his blind spot is in his inability to recognize that two people can see the same exact situation, use absolutely solid logic, and come to completely different conclusions. I mean,
0: Spock. Ha- we, we've seen that recently with uh, with Tuvok, or with yeah, with Tuvok, for instance. You know, Tuvok has done that a couple yeah. of times in Voyager so far. I mean, I think yeah. that the, the other thing too, not to cut you off, but like. You know, you're kind of give, I think you're giving Sarek a little too much credit here. Like Sarek well, is is not a great guy. No. And like I don't think he's a bad person. He devotes his life to peace. Like professionally, he's immaculate, right? Uh his his collar game is on point. <laughs> but uh he said to Michael Burnham in this episode when she said, you know, you can tell me things. We are family. Technically, we are not related. Like fuck you, yeah. Sarek.
1: No, no, no. I know. I I, I think he's—I mean, Spock has justified his decision to join Starfleet, and obviously that was an impeccable decision on his part. But he—for all that Sarah claims to want to know humans, I don't think he understands them at all. I think in—you know, part of the suggestion is that Amanda has— Amanda has seen Sarek, and I think for as emotional as Amanda is, and I think she kind of likes being an eccentric in her society, um, I mean, I think about that moment in Journey to Babel when he, you know, when they, like, touch fingers after after an argument, and, you know, I've always said, you know, that moment is Amanda, Amanda can read him, she understands what he's meaning by that, she understands what he's saying, um, his second wife in the Sarek episode of TNG at the end, you know, is, you know, she's Amanda again. You know, let, let's face it. The only reason her name isn't Amanda is because the age, do, you know, the age doesn't work out. But, you know, because amanda has been dead for e- 40 years. Exactly. But when she's saying, you know, oh, I always knew he loved him. These are people who are able to who have looked at Sarek and have said this is enough. I, I am getting what I want out of this. I am OK. I'm fulfilled. And maybe that is why Sarek chooses. What was her name? Was it Pell? Is that Perry? I Perry, think, Perry. Perrin? Yes. Um, Perrin. 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 I yes, think. that's yeah. right. Pell is the uh, what the uh Ferengi from DS9, who's uh, the lady who dresses as a man as opposed to Quark, who is a woman in that one episode. But we don't talk about that. Um. <laughs>
0: And Terrell is the, the Vulcan in Star Trek Discovery. What? These names.
1: <laughs> see, do you see why I have problems with names? Cornwall. What is that? Um,
0: Cornwell. Her name is Cornwall. It's Cornwell. Anyway.
1: um, In a way, Sarek was ill-served by, you know... Certainly it was logical to use a human wife uh, because it helped him understand it was a diplomatic tie, all of that. But he was ill-served in one who saw him and said that isn't enough because I don't think Amanda or Perrin forced Sarek to grow in the way that he might have needed to.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's right. and And I mean... You know, I don't want to spend a, a ton of time talking about Sarek because, of course, he's he's not the the point of the episode. I mean, this is this is really a vehicle for for getting at uh, Michael Burnham and, and and giving her some much needed character uh, character motivation and, and character uh, development. But I, I want to talk about about Captain Lorca as well because he's the other half of this episode, and you know, he's not in the episode. I feel like Michael Burnham has a lot more screen time than Lorca does in this episode. But, you know, certainly uh, he's an outsized presence in the episode. And I- I'm still not super sold on the storytelling of Captain Lorca. I think that this episode gave him some much needed character development and gave him uh, some scenes that uh, he did not have inferior. Well, is the-, is the term inferior officers? I don't know. Like superior officers and what? Subordinate? Like- Subordinate uh, subordinate officers, because, of course, he has to be like the captain in those scenes. Yeah. And so we're, we're seeing him in those scenes with Admiral Cornwell, you know, a person who is with an old friend who's with someone who they used to have some sort of romantic or sexual relationship that is being rekindled. Mm. You know, she is very concerned about his well-being. Uh, I think we can see that this is not a man who psychologically is well you know, I'm not super convinced. I mean, the the problems I have with Lorca are more to do with how the show I think is is sort of short-circuiting some of the plotline that has to do with him, and I think that's more of a meta criticism of Star Trek Discovery than it is specifically about Lorca's plotline, but you know, for me, uh the revelation last week that he was in command of another ship at the beginning of the war you know, right? Bef- you know, and and destroyed it with everybody on board, and like then they give him command of the secret yeah. weapon. That just doesn't make any sense. I I want Discovery to justify that more, and it doesn't seem like it is. Um, I don't know if we're supposed to take that as well. Starfleet admirals be stupid and they make bad decisions sometimes. You know, I'm not sure, but it 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 doesn't track for me. I think this episode went a long way towards at least in the present moment, redeeming Lorca as a character where he's going to go somewhere bad. And at the end, I mean, let's be honest. At the end of the season, Captain Lorca is no longer going to be in command of (laughs) the Discovery at a minimum, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like part of this is the, don't worry, we're just going to, you know, trust the process, you know. We'll explain that later. I mean, they... Make a point of these strangely, you know, and deliberately shaped scars on his back. There is more to the story of how he, because I think one of the people on our comments, or you were saying that, like, what did he do? Did he get uh, out in the escape pod and say, bye, everybody, and then blow up the ship? Like, how exactly did that happen? We didn't hear the timeline and the mechanics of how he blew up his own ship and the why. And he, you know, kind of alighted that and just said, like, well, it was better than Klingon torture. That's all he's really said about it. There is a lot more to this story than we have been told. And part of that, I think, does have to do with what the story is. And again, I said he was sociopathic, and I don't necessarily I'm not necessarily exaggerating when I'm saying that. He is somebody who has figured out how to play everybody. You know, they make a po- point of saying he's passed all the tests, he lied his way through. I mean, that's a t- that's how you know, smart sociopaths get their way through life. Um, he's right. passed the f- psych evaluations. And so I don't know. There is a lot more to this story than we are given yet. And at some point, we are going to be told the t- full story of how his ship, you know, what happened on his previous ship and why exactly he is so hellbent at the expense of everything around him. Um you know even his own eyes on you know doing this this particular way and assembling this particular crew and going on these particular missions in this particular way um i
0: i don't know though because i mean i i i worry that that they're not going to have the time to do that and uh, you know, I, I think that, that you know, in retrospect, the tardigrade stuff w- was probably a misfire and, and and ate up a lot of screen time that could have been better used to, yeah. uh, frankly, give us more backstory on Captain Lorca. You know, I, I don't I don't know what that was supposed to tell us necessarily. And I think it probably would have been just as easy to jettison that entire plot line entirely and. To instead have Stamets inject himself with the spores like two episodes earlier, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems like the show is making odd choices about how best to use its limited screen time. And and especially considering that they don't need to conform to a, a running time at all. Um, it also strikes me as very odd. Like apparently there are cut scenes. Like, I get why they would cut scenes even if they don't have a running time they need to conform to because the scene doesn't work or whatever. But it doesn't flow. It's not necessary. They feel like it's, you know, not a good scene. The intention that was on the page didn't come through or whatever. There's a lot of reasons you would cut something. But at the end of the day, like, I I wonder how long these scripts are. And I wonder... You know what? What they're cutting in service of getting it to a running time, because all the episodes except for the second one, which was extraordinarily short, it was only like thirty six or thirty seven minutes long. um, I've all sort of been around the same length, give or take a few minutes, and so you know I'm not really sure why they're doing that. I
1: mean, (laughs) I I, I can see again a consistency in. You know, this is something you've said. They don't really have to. It's a streaming. They can do whatever they want. But people sit down to watch an episode of a show and they kind of want to expect to know how long it is. I don't think we are in a world yet where people will accept (laughs) one episode being a half hour long and another being an hour and a half long. You kind of want everything around the same amount of time. But, you know,
0: I think there's an argument to be made, though, that. You know, I mean, if they want to do forty-four minutes, and the next week's episode is fifty-seven minutes, yeah. is anyone really going to care that much? I mean, certainly, I think that that a broad range, like one episode is half yeah, an hour, yeah, yeah. and the next one is an hour and a half, that's a bit much. But you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility or outside the realm of, of you know whatever well, that fair. that an episode can be like 15 minutes longer than the last one i mean who cares i mean hbo shows tend to be like almost a full hour um nobody seems to care about that so yeah. i don't know it that it, it's not really it, i don't really care about the running time it's just the fact you know, know. that the show doesn't seem to be using its running time well yeah well is is, is the more pressing issue I and
1: think. that is a very fair point um and i guess my other thing is i do you know, my fan theory is ensign tardigrade that we haven't seen the last of him. He's gonna come in at the last minute and do something. But um Or she they are going to come back and do something. Oh my god, it'll be all of the tardigrades. Um no, we're gonna we're gonna that that's just, you know, I'll be back.
0: So um I, <laughs> there's there's a couple minor things I want to talk about before Same. we wrap this episode up. I, I think that uh uh, let's dispense with the. Do you, you want to hear? We, you know, the one of the advantages of doing this, you know, in real time almost is we can react to things as they're happening online. Uh, there is a. I don't know. Do you want to hear this yeah. theory? Okay. Uh, there is a theory out there that Tyler is Vogue.
1: I don't know what that. Oh. What? Oh my God! Hey. I fucking hate the internet. Shut up, nerds! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> I like this theory. Okay, why?
0: Because I think that Tyler makes a good TOS style Klingon, and, and I, yeah. I don't know. I, I just think it'd be kind of cool. That's <laughs> I really have an answer. <laughs> I just, I just think it would be neat. Um,
1: I mean, it's a little look. Here's the
0: here's the thing, Richard. Like you don't know because you haven't seen Enterprise, but like there is a very particular reason why this could be true. Okay, people are not just making this up out of whole cloth. Like there is a reason for this. Oh so... my God! No, no, no!
1: He's gonna. Actually, no, because he's going to go into Lorca's office at one point, and the Tribble is going to flip a fucking shit. I know. That's what I
0: was thinking earlier. Okay. today. I was like, that's why. That's why Lorca has that fucking Tribble <gasps> on his desk. Okay, never
1: mind. Because the new in the, episode, the the, the the neutered Tribble.
0: Yeah like in epi- like the last episode episode 8 or whatever before they go on hiatus the last shot of that episode is Tyler walking into Lorca's office and the Tribble going fucking nuts okay
1: no and now you're right now now I'm with it now I'm back on board
0: all right I'm glad you're back on board with that we'll see where that goes and the other thing I want to talk about briefly is I just want to mention the fact that the computers apparently uh have a personality in this show and I love it <laughs> I think that part of the reason why Star Trek Discovery perhaps was not working for me, particularly in the last in last week's episode, is that the show doesn't seem to have much of a personality so far. Yeah. And I don't know, there's something about the computer of this ship just kind of going, here's your nutritious lunch. <laughs> I just, Giving health advice. The computer so, right. Like, why is the computer so interested in how healthy my lunch is? I don't know, but it's it's fun.
1: Well, the two things I was going to mention, and number one, as I was thinking about it, I kind of answered my own question, but I was like, why do their t-shirts say disco on them? But it's short for discovery, but I was just like, were they going disco dancing? <laughs> uh,
0: on the one hand, I think that's super weird, <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm just kind of like, okay, sure.
1: Yeah. Um. The other is, you know, at one point, Lorca eats a fortune cookie, and we don't see the fortune. What is the—I— I, I, that has to be for something right like i don't know I, again i'm i i my theory is they're all blank because you make your own fortune
0: look that 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 could certainly be, and I think that's a a valid theory um
1: well, the one thing i so I watch the previews for next week and you do not uh. I accidentally
0: watched uh, part of it only because I was okay. on my computer
1: and like... Well, there it, was one line. I couldn't figure out how to
0: make it stop. There was one line in a, it. W- oh, because I am, a, almost, I am almost a 37-year-old <laughs> man who's been using the internet for 20 years and was like, I don't know. I'm
1: an old man. How do I make this video <laughs> when my internet browser <laughs> stop playing? But you just have to unplug the internet. It's the only way. Just unplug the phone line. Um, But it's on Wi-Fi. <laughs> well, then you just have to just shut it off. Um. There was one line in the next on that makes me very excited for next episode. Uh in a way which may you know makes me think it might actually be continuing that this is an actual episode trend.
0: I, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh skip ahead like thirty seconds. Uh which is also an in joke because that was the thing that the episode yeah, ended said, right? Yeah. Like they're repeating the last thirty minutes or something. <laughs> yeah, so. so I'm like, oh
1: good. I love those fucking episodes. I really do. We shall we shall see.
0: Oh, uh, the last thing we should mention, uh, this is a big one. Um, aside from the fact that they they name dropped Spock a few times, which, of course, completely makes sense because how could you yeah, not yeah, do yeah. that in this episode? Uh, Michael Burnham also mentions the Constitution class in the Enterprise. Yes. Um, at first, I thought that was quite odd because, of course, in this reality what i don't know what you would call this uh in in the star trek universe of 2254 or whatever um the enterprise is not the flagship is not particularly famous um is just a ship among many and i thought that was a little weird and i was kind of like well okay (laughs) but uh i think i'm with it because of course she said that because her brother is on. Yeah. So of course she would say that. Like why would why would that not immediately jump to mind? Because the constitution class is supposedly like the deep space exploration, like the new hotness and all the cool people are on those ships and the enterprise is one of many, but you know, her brother's on it. So that makes, sense. well, it's
1: kind of like the ship that, you know, Riker was almost in command of where he said, you know, it's a smaller ship. It's not, but you know, it's going to go out deep and, you know, it's the kind of place where someone really ambitious could really make a name for themselves. Um, And, and, you know, if Tilly is somebody who is, you know, this is a place where she could, you know, Show exceptional, whatever.
0: All right, well, we'll leave it there. If you have any thoughts on Letha, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at TrekAboutShow.com. You can check out our Patreon, as mentioned much earlier in this podcast, Patreon.com slash TrekAboutShow. Uh, It is a way for you to give us monetary support. It enables us to do things like buy CBS All Access, Patreon.com slash TrekAboutShow. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TrekAboutShow is our username in all those places. Go like us, share us, all that friend does i don't know whatever whatever you kids are doing nowadays <laughs> we uh, are in I our 30s about, <laughs> i yeah I, I look i've i've given up i don't know anymore there's something about like curving people i don't even know what it means all right next week we're going to be continuing our star trek discovery coverage there is only three episodes left in this half of the season We are going to be talking about the exhaustingly titled Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad.
1: I love the titles. I love the pretentious Star Trek titles.